Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Two Pad Stack Podcast. We are here for episode four, and we have our good friend Burge, the goalie, returning in a co-host chair. How's it going, Burge? Good, man. How you doing? Uh, glad to be back with you again. Looking forward to getting into this with you. Absolutely. Glad to have you again. Um, today's a very exciting episode. We've got a big announcement, and we have a wonderful special guest that's going to be joining us later on. Um, we're happy to have James Sabalski on the podcast today. He spent some time to chat with me about, you know, how he got into hockey, uh, how he got into broadcasting. Um, he grew up in Ottawa and his dad was a big Boston Bruins fan. So telling me some of the stories about how his dad loved Bobby Orr and got into the Bruins and how he didn't really want to be like his dad or necessarily want to be on those, uh, you know, that same wavelength. So he defected and, and became an Oilers fan. But, you know, just kind of hearing that story from him and also, you know, learn a little bit about his perspective on the bees and, you know, uh, what it's like to be the voice of the EA NHL franchise. It was a really great interview. Looking forward to bringing that to you guys a little later on in the pod. Till then, like I had mentioned, we have Burge back on. And, uh, as you've probably been aware, it's been a, a solo host situation in the past here for the two pad stack. Um, Chris Davis initially wanted to join me as the co-host, but um, real life got in the way. And I still would like to share my appreciation to Chris for joining me for episode one and, you know, helping me get the pod off the ground. So shout out to Chris Davis. Um, but more exciting news um, after some intense salary negotiations with Burge, <laughs> Um, he wanted a full no movement clause, um, really didn't want to go to Winnipeg. I, I assured him that we won't have that in the cards. Um, Burge has agreed to be joining us as the full-time co-host of the two pad stack podcast. So welcome pumped, aboard Burge. Pumped to be a part of it. Uh, I tried to squeeze out, uh, some overnight babysitting from you, uh, as part of my salary negotiation, uh, for my infants, <laughs> uh, that didn't go very well. I had to settle. I had to settle for uh, being able to come on, drink some beer, and and talk some hockey with you. So thank you for the offer, and I'm looking forward to you know moving forward with this with you. Love it, love it, dude. It's only fitting that we have another goalie as the official co-host of the Two Pet Stack. So yeah, plenty more crazy goalie takes um, coming your way for the future of the Two Pet Stack podcast. So. Yeah, once again, officially welcome aboard, Burge, your official co-host of the Two Pad Stack podcast. Love it. On another note here, there was a little bit of Bruins news that dropped today, and I, I yeah. used the term little bit in a uh, very not fair way of describing what was happening. It was something that everyone kind of knew was coming. Mm -hmm. It wasn't really the best kept secret, and... It was the fact that David Krejci has elected to officially call it a career for the Boston Bruins. So he finishes his career with the Bees um, over, I believe, 1,100 or 1,080 games played, um, all of them with the black and gold. And, um, yeah, it's going to be uh, bittersweet for that for me. Um, I'm not the biggest Krejci guy, but Burge, what, what's your take on uh, Krejci making it official? You know, I, I was right there with you, uh, you know, once the season came to an end in that ugly fashion a few months ago, I was, I was like, he's not coming back. And to be honest with you, I was on the fence about even Bergeron coming back. So when Bergeron retired, I was like, 
slam dunk. David Krejci is just waiting to make this thing official. It's the, the team already knows, you know, going into the offseason. It's just going to be a timing thing for them to release the information. He is, in my opinion, probably one of the most underrated players, uh, you know, in Bruins history in terms of what he contributed to this team, especially, uh, you know, this whole core run of the last decade plus. Um, they were uh, on top of it. Um, you know, I one of my most favorite memories of of, of David Krejci, uh, I had the privilege of going to the Eastern Conference Finals game, uh, 2011, Game 7 at the Garden between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Bruins. Uh, hands down, probably the best hockey game I've ever seen in person, um, live. It was a 0-0 game going, you know, deep into the third period. Um, you know, goaltending battle back and forth between Tim Thomas and Dwayne Rolison. You know, two of my favorite goalies of, of all time. I mean, whoever won that game, I was going to root for to win the Stanley Cup that year. I love Dwayne Rolison. Um, but the goal scored by Nathan Horton doesn't happen without what David Krejci did to, you know, to find a way to get him that puck through the infamous Guy Boucher trap defense. Um, they found their way to do it. And, you know, Krejci, beautiful pass across the, you know, across to the uh, front of the net to Nathan Horton, who just tapped it in an open net. Uh, probably my fondest uh, fondest memory of actually seeing a Bruins game in person. It was incredible. No penalties were called in that game either, and it just it sticks out to me. Um, you know, just how underappreciated he 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 has been. You know, kind of flying in the in the shadows of Brad Marchand, Zdeno O'Chara, Patrice Bergeron. Obviously, he's kind of that unsung underrated kind of guy who just showed up made the plays was never i mean he, he towards the end he turned into a little bit of a liability just with his age but you know he always showed up in the playoffs and uh you know i'm gonna miss that um you know i i think of my coming of age bruins which he was a main part of it bergeron rask thomas all these guys crazy's right up there with them and he was one of the best yeah so i was saying it's kind of like um the end of my childhood bruins mm -hmm. Um, you know, you've got the, uh, the page kind of being turned there a little bit. Um, those, those bees that I remember watching when I was in a very impressionable part of my life are now all gone. Like you really only have Brad Marchand and he was there when I was an older, older yep. kid, like 17, 18 years old. And Milan Lucic is only here because he came back for a one year, like reunion tour. Doesn't he count. doesn't. He doesn't want to call it a reunion tour, but, um, you know, it, it, it's really it's time for the new guys to kind of take that mantle. And I know James and I will talk about that a little bit later on in the episode, but um, it's 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 bittersweet for me. And I, and I do think that 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 moment you had alluded to the um, the game seven goal against Tampa Bay, that was probably like the pinnacle of David Krejci hockey. And it's been a treat to watch David Krejci. I think he has been probably criminally underappreciated because it, it seemed like every off season we were sitting here saying, we've got to get David Krejci some wingers and he would finally get one, maybe even two. And then the player would be gone the very following year. Mm -hmm. He'd be stuck with someone else. Jerome again, that comes to mind. Jerome again, that comes to mind. Yeah, yeah, and he went through like a, a revolving door of of wingers there. I mean, especially once uh, once Lucic departed the team, um, he really didn't have much consistency whatsoever, and he still was a reliable producer no matter what. Um, he had a very European way of doing things, 
which I don't necessarily think it resonated with me as a fan as much as it probably could have. Um, I always really enjoyed a player that would demonstrate his passion and in his his investment in the team that he plays for. You never saw like if somebody got hit like really hard or high or, or a dirty play. David Krejci wasn't the guy that was going to skate over there and start getting into right. shoving matches or you know yelling or anything like that. Like Krejci could get watch his teammate get absolutely obliterated directly behind him, and he'd just skate to the bench and be ready for the next shift. And there's something to be said for that. But you know, me personally, I love a player that is ready to go to war for the city he plays for, ready to you know represent that logo on the front of his chest and and do whatever he can to to rile up the crowd and david krejci was never that guy and that's okay yep um he won't ever have the the same level of reverence that patrice bergeron has but he still is top 10 in basically all offensive stats in bruins franchise history yep and uh, one one thing comes to mind too when when thinking about him he was you know the first line center on this team up until I want to say maybe a, after the 13 Stanley Cup finals, that's when kind of Patrice Bergeron, Marchand, you know, when Pasternak got here, he kind of he kind of took over, uh, you know, that second line center role. Um, but one one also another thing that comes to mind when I think of him was the 2010 playoffs with against the Flyers, which we all know. We all remember that series. That's probably not on top of uh, everybody's minds in terms of memories for this Bruins team in a good way. Um, but he got hurt in the middle of that series. He took a big hit. I think he broke his wrist or, or something to do with that. And he was out the rest of the series. And then we all know what happened, you know, the end of that series, you know, the Bruins blow a three, nothing lead in the series gets knocked out. Just goes to show how critical of a piece he was to that, to the, you know, that core and that run you know, he, he, if he wasn't in there, the team kind of, you know, didn't have the same identity and, you know, I, I, I'll definitely miss watching him. I mean, I, like going back to geez, he's drafted in oh, at Oh four going back to like Oh six Oh seven. When I was going into college, you know, that's when him and Bergeron really took the reins as like, you know, the one, two on this team and yeah, a piece of the childhood is gone. And that's probably the last remaining piece for me. I mean, I look at my other sports that I follow Everybody else is gone. Chara's gone. Bergeron's gone. Brady's gone. All these guys that I followed as a kid, oh, my childhood sports fandom is officially over. And now we're looking at people that are playing who are much younger than I am. And now I feel like the old guy. I know, right? It's always a weird vibe going from like that kid that watched all these professional sport athletes. And, yep. and now you're like, holy shit, this kid that we just drafted was born in what year? And it's like, what am I doing? I was 15. <laughs> I know, right? It's crazy. <laughs> Um. Yeah, and I I think that Krejci was one of those guys that you know we had a saying, the Bruins or or as Krejci goes, so go the Bruins because he much like when Taylor Hall was on our third line, having a a player of David Krejci's caliber in the two C slot mm-hmm. would always create matchup nightmares for the opposition, and um. If there wasn't a damn salary cap, we could have surrounded him <laughs> with more talent. And right? It would have been great. The other thing, that before we move on from Krejci, um, I have to say he's probably the second best puck distributor that I've ever seen in a Bruins logo uh, live. 
um, the way that he can, you know, as Jack Edwards would always describe it, you know, slow the game down, almost go into like a, a matrix mode. And, you know, he would be able to just create passing lanes that were otherwise not there whatsoever. Um, the only other player that I could ever really compare to him. And I think that this other player is a little bit more dynamic offensively, but that was Mark Savard. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mark Savard. Sa- very similar. Savvy had a little bit more fire. He was Canadian. So he had that, that North American mentality. Um, he was willing to jump into scrums and throw his hands around too. Um, I just have to uh, finalize the segment by saying, fuck Matt Cook. Oh, I will die on that hill. That guy is a piece of shit. I don't know why he was allowed to continue to play as long as he did. He did it to so many people. Well, let's not even give him the, the airtime here. It's all about David Krejci. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> um, in other news, we have some bittersweet things to kind of not even Jesus Christ. I'm going to edit that out. Um, <laughs> some unfortunate news about a prospect for Toronto. 21-year-old Rodian Amarov former first round pick in 2020 for the Toronto Maple Leafs. He was diagnosed two years ago with a brain tumor. Um, His KHL team, Salavat Ufa and the Toronto Maple Leafs had done a lot to try to provide him support while he was seeking treatment. Um, Unfortunately, his agent, Dan Milstein today announced that he passed away. So uh, on behalf of the two pad stack and prime time, you know, we just want to offer, all of his family and his friends, our deepest condolences. And it's a sad day in hockey whenever a uh, a bright young light like that gets snuffed out far too early. Far too young. Yep. Far too young to see somebody go through that and have to go through that, that fight. And, uh, you know, the end of the day, pass away from it. It's, it, it, it hurts. It's where you put it, put aside all your allegiances with sports. You understand, you know, this is a young kid with a, you know, who had a, bright bright future with you know the league and you know in the sport it's it's it breaks your heart to see it you don't get drafted in the first round unless you have a really bright future ahead of you in the Mm -hmm. nhl and you know it really kind of puts sports in perspective right you know hockey sports in general it doesn't mean shit you know this is a young kid's life that just ended in an incredibly heartbreaking way and um you know i'm a dad burge is a dad you know, I just feel for his parents and um, yeah, best wishes to everybody that was close to them and was invested in his success. And uh, I'm really sorry to see it. Absolutely. We're, we're thinking of you. Absolutely. Um, so on that note there, like uh, wanted to touch on this. I know we talked about it briefly last week, Burge, but you know, the whole dad thing here in hockey, how, how are you balancing you know, having two two young babies and a third kiddo and still convincing the wife to let you go and, and skate and strap on the pads. Well, one, she loves she loves to see me exercise. I don't get enough of it. So she's obviously 100 percent on board with that. Um, <laughs> no, we, you know, we 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 understand that we both need our own time to do our own thing. And, you know, where I'm out one night a week playing hockey and, you know, she gets to go out one night with her girlfriends, you know, She's going out this Friday to see the Barbie movie with her two girlfriends, you know, stuff like that. I'm going to, I'm going to be home with the three kids. So say a prayer for me. Um, Godspeed. Two, two infants is not easy to deal with. 
Um, one but, infant isn't easy to deal with. <laughs> oh, it is easy from my perspective. I'll tell you that. I my the grandparents took one of the infants overnight one night, and it was a breeze. Oh, I can handle one infant, no problem. Now I'm so experienced. So uh, when you have to shift from man to zone defense, you get in trouble. Yeah, we're we're learning that. We're learning that with our toddler who just turned three. He's turned into a little bit of a three-nager now. So he's starting to mm-hmm. you know talk back a little bit and uh, disobey, test us a little bit while the babies are screaming. So yeah, that's definitely a challenge, but no, I'm working hard to get my three-year-old right now into, uh, you know, watching hockey. He'll watch the games with me. He's got, we got a Bruins blanket upstairs at our house and he sees it every time he's like hockey blanket to Bruins blanket. So every time he sees the logo, he sees hockey carries his hockey stick around everywhere. Going to, uh, test the waters on the ice this, this winter. I'm going to get him his first pair of skates for Christmas. And, uh, We'll test the waters with it. He's not one kid that always likes the thing, likes something the first time he tries it. So definitely not going to push it. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 awesome to think about. Like we talked about last week, um, the old tournaments we used to get to go to and all that. I look forward to being those adults that were going to the bar and drinking while the kids were our kids are playing mini sticks <laughs> in the hallway, getting in trouble. Um, I so love yeah. it. That's 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 where I'm at with it. And, you know, the cost is starting to stare me in the face. I'm like, I hope all three of them don't want to play. I don't know if I could do that with the time that it takes and the cost associated with it. But heck, if all three of them want to do it, we'll make it work. Yeah, I'm actually going on Wednesday night on the 16th. So in two days, we're going to the try hockey weekend sizing for Amelia, my six year old daughter. So she's going to go get sized up, get her first set of gear. We pay a deposit, and this is through our local hockey um, organization, Rochester Youth Hockey here in New Hampshire, and um, pay 220 bucks. The outfitter head-to-toe with a set of gear um, comes with three ice sessions. Um, so she That's can great. get out there and try it. Um, there's no pressure if the kid decides at the end of it that they don't want to play. You can return all the gear and you get the money back, um, which is super cool. Yeah. Um, but I'm 90% sure my little competitive diva here, she um, she absolutely kills it at soccer. And she's told me many times that she wants to play like professional hockey one day and she wants to That's be awesome. a, a great hockey player and she wants to make me proud and, and everything. And I'm just, my little heart just melts whenever she talks about hockey because she knows how much it means to me. Um, I already told her, I was like, Amelia, you know, if you get into hockey, do you want daddy to be a coach? She's like, yeah, I really That's want awesome. you to coach me, dad. I was like, are you sure? Because I can be a little mean when it comes to hockey. She's like, I know, but you you just want the best for me. And I was like, that's right. I do. I just want the best for you, sweetheart. So I'm just like super stoked to see where this goes. I really hope like that first session on the weekend like I know her feet are going to be killing her because she's going to oh, be yeah. breaking in new skates and I'm just going to have to be like, just push through it. And I hope that all the volunteers that are there are, uh, are ready to communicate that same message. But um, yeah, we're right here on the precipice of a, of a journey with my kiddo starting the hockey hockey thing. So I'm pretty yeah. excited. That's awesome. Yeah. That, that would make my heart melt too. If, if my, my kid said that, what, what your daughter said to you, I'd be like, all right, let's go to the rink now. <laughs> right. I was like, who knows kiddo, maybe your, your adventure back in hockey or into hockey will get me back going into it. So ha, has she ever, has she ever watched you play? 
Yeah, so it's been probably about two or three years since I played. So she was about three years old when she was going out and seeing me play. Um, my wife was the same way. She she loved me just going out and getting some exercise and having some fun. But she didn't like going to the rink. Like She didn't really oh, yeah. have any interest in doing that. So the kids didn't go often, but when they did, it was certainly a lot of fun. Usually the games would be like the Sunday night house league games at like 5 p.m. Mm-hmm. for the men's league. Um, those are the ones that they would made, manage to come by. I don't even know if Amelia remembers me playing, but um, she still sees my pads and my skates and mm-hmm. everything like that. And she's like, oh, yeah, Daddy, those are yours. You play. And I was like, yep. She's like, why didn't I ever see you on TV? Because I, like, <laughs> I was pretty fucking terrible. Yeah. I was just not a good goalie, kiddo. But I appreciate you asking me that question. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, I love bringing my kid to, to to games, but yeah, like you'd say, like the early games are the only ones that they really can can make. And my men's league games are like seven, eight, nine, ten o'clock at night, so I'm not yeah. keeping him awake to do that. But I have played in a few alumni games for my college and my high school that he's made, and it's it's always fun to see him over on the boards. And you know, when I'm in net, go over and you know tap the glass at him and see this, mm-hmm. his face light up and. You know, it's uh, it brings a whole nother meaning to the sport for me. It really does. And and it's really, really fantastic. And I've I've been fortunate enough. My older daughter, Aria, she has no interest in playing, but she really enjoys going to hockey games and watching them. So we've been able to bond with that. Um, she flew down to Florida with me and we did a daddy daughter trip and we went to go see game three and four down in florida together so we stayed in um stayed in sunrise obviously saw the hockey games and then we also we made a little trip of it we ended up going to the everglades oh that's awesome and uh yeah so we did like one of the airboat tours and went to the beach at hollywood florida and um i really hope that that trip was like something that she'll always kind of remember and and be like uh you know a, a great hockey memory and i hope that one day that whatever social media platform there is in like 10 years that she'll be, you know, laughing with her friends about how her stupid dad is still freaking out about the Bruins and how she's still invested <laughs> in it too. Cause That's I know awesome. I see that all the time on social media with people talking about their, 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 uh, you know, drunken dad, that's still a wicked big Bruins fan. And, you know, I don't know if that's something that you should be aspiring for to be the, uh, the drunken Bruins guy, but, but here I am. Uh, yeah, I'll be that guy. I'll be that guy. I scream and yell at the TV all the time. There's been a few times, you know, this past, you know, playoffs and everything where I had let a few expletives go in front of my son, got the cold stare from the wife and, uh, like, <laughs> I hope he doesn't remember that word, but I hope he remembers watching this game with me. But yeah, I, I, I those memories are something that, you know, are, are cherished. And I'm sure that, you know, she's got to remember that. I mean, I have memories with my dad going to my first Bruins game when I was like 10 or 11 years old. I remember I was so excited and still talk about it with him to this day. So hope for the same experience for my kids. Yeah. I mean, I remember when my stepfather would buy me tickets to bring me down and it was, uh, you know, I never got to go to the old garden. I really wish I didn't mm-hmm. get to check out a game same at the here. old garden, but, um, I would go to the fleet center and, um, my stepdad ended up buying me the the Joe Thornton jersey on my first game, and it was uh it was just a ton of fun. And ever since I was able to go and actually see a game in person, that place became like uh 
my cathedral. It mm-hmm. was it was like the mecca for me. It was like a religious experience to go and watch a game live. So now I'm incredibly fortunate because I can afford to right. just buy tickets whenever the hell I want, really, and go down there. It's kind of lost that sparkle a little bit, but still, it's such a great time to go and watch games live. And you know, I'm I'm ecstatic that my older daughter really enjoys going with me. Um, and I'm hoping that playing hockey for my younger daughter will kind of um, replicate that, and I'll have my daughters fighting each other to go to games with me. That's that's all you can ask for, right? <laughs> <laughs> How old do you uh, do you plan the your, your oldest son to be when you start to kind of get him into hockey? Uh, well, I want to try to test him on the ice, get him his first pair of skates this winter. I know it's early; I was young, but I just want to kind of expose him to it. Um, yeah, I I don't think I started playing hockey if I'm like remembering right. I think I was like eight years old or nine years old when I really started to to you know play hockey. I hated it the first time. I think I might have touched on that last week. I hated it the first time I went on the ice, skated, and I told my dad I didn't want to do it again. They waited a year. I went on. I loved it. So uh, it's going to be one of those things for me where I'm not going to push, you know, my son to, you know, yo, you got to like this. You got to like this. It's going to be, oh, you tell me you don't like it. Okay. Well, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll come back, you know, in a year or whatever and, and you know, try again. Um, every time I'm the Bruins are playing a matinee game or uh, any kind of hockey's on during the matinee, I try to have it on for him on the TV. We don't watch a lot of TV with him in our house. So when it's on, he likes it and he loves every time hockey. I want to watch hockey. He tells me that. I mean, three years old, he's telling me he wants to watch hockey. I'm like a dad in heaven at this point. Um, but uh, kind of be kind of be a wait and see approach is probably the best for me. I'll expose him to it, see where it goes and then kind of move on from there. Be the same thing with my, my twins as well. Be the same thing. That's great, yeah. And uh, maybe one day you can have a D pair. Dude, I got a twins. whole four, I got a whole forward line in my house, or a forward pair in my house, or a D pair and a goaltender. That's that's kind of <laughs> I'm kind of leaning towards the D pair and the goaltender is my hope. <laughs> so, what's your take if one of the boys say, "Dad, I want to be a goalie just like you"? I'm gonna be. It's, I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to say I'm, I'm going to be bittersweet about it because uh, I know how much that the financial uh, <laughs> commitment to that is. But on the other end of it, I'll be ecstatic. It would probably be one of the best moments to date of my parenthood is to hear him say that. And I would be like, all right, so when are we going to the, when are we going to the store to go, go get you sized up? Uh, let's go right now. I mean, you know, he sees my equipment all the time in the back of my truck because that's the only place that's allowed in my house is in the back of my truck because it smells so bad. <laughs> but it, he sees that he sees, like, you know, I, we don't have the video on for this, but I have the Tuka Rascalov right behind me and he sees that all the time. And he's like, Daddy, Daddy, goalie, hockey. I'm like, I'm on the right track. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I've already made it abundantly clear to Amelia. I was like, you're going to be a star forward. Because daddy's not paying for new custom pads for anyone else. If I did that once for myself, I uh, I got a set of pass off pads, and they nice. even had um they had chiz c h i z added on to the pads on a little tag on them to make them personalized. But That's they awesome. were uh, they were all white and they had red trim because I was on the red team at the time. Why I catered my pad colors to the rochester adult league team i was on i don't know but i'm a team player what can i say oh, yeah. i uh i really really enjoyed those pads and 
you know the whole process of getting a custom set of gear is such a fun experience for a goaltender and being able to you know um just express yourself your creativity and your gear is a absolute luxury that not all hockey players get to do like Mm -hmm. a lot of skaters the best thing you can do is like buy a weird visor or use different color tape um the goalie man you're, you're able to really have a broad canvas the only problem is is that there's a financial impact on that <laughs> canvas. Yeah, as one of the things I loved the most when I was, you know, especially in my teenage years and as I got older, I loved matching my equipment to, you know, whatever team I was playing for. And, you know, right now I don't have that. I, I go basically all white at this point in my, my age. I'm getting old. So all white pretty much covers everything. But when I was in school, I had to have like, my school's colors were red, white, and blue. So I had red, white, and blue Reebok catcher glove, uh, catcher blocker, leg pads. And then I had the whole custom paint job on the mask, which was my, one of my prized possessions. I'd always ask my parents, you know, this is what I want for Christmas. I'll help pay for it, but this is what I want for Christmas. And I'd always, I got my high school one. That's actually, I've kept pretty nice. I got it on display in my basement down here. And then I got my college one. Oh, <laughs> I got my college one that is taking a beating right now in my hockey bag. That. So, so that reaction from Burge is because <laughs> I just pulled my goalie mask out and it was, uh, this was a gift when I turned 13 years old. And um, as he, he kind of mentioned, it was absolutely an awesome gift. It was a uh, Christmas gift from my parents and I just opened up an envelope and I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I got Bruins tickets, which still would have been a sweet gift. But it was literally just a business card from the artist that they had sent a brand new mask over to. And the artist actually put my bulldog that I had growing up um, as the mascot for it. So it's an English bulldog with its teeth and there's blood coming off the teeth. And the bottom, it has a gold tooth. Um it's got foam coming out of the mouth and it's got the green background because i grew up in dover new hampshire our uh, our logo was the green wave mm-hmm. so our color was green um the back of my mask has um an access denied thing and it's got my name on it and it was the coolest thing to have a uh, a custom mask when every one of the other goalies out there just had one of the vanilla white ones or black ones yeah, that's the same thing with uh, with mine here. Got it all nice and painted. My high school mascot was the Purple Panthers from Nashua, New Hampshire. So I got the I had the big panther on top. Got the number on the front. Nashua down the side. On the back, I had my last name here, Burgess, on the back, and then a Luigi was drawn on mine. So the story behind that is uh, one of the one of my uh, there's three goalies on the team. The other goalie on my team, his name was Mario. So and we were and we were really like close friends. So it was like Mario. Did you hug I, him? What's that? Did you hug him? No, we didn't do any of that. No, <laughs> let's not go there. But <laughs> nice, nice little fist pound with the uh, with the blocker glove after games. Uh, but yeah, the custom masks were always my my prized possessions. And my college ones taken unfortunately a massive beating because as I graduated college, you know, thirteen years ago, I uh, I didn't really have the money when i got out of school to buy a new mask so i just have continued to use it <laughs> yeah i mean i um 
I almost bought one of those like pre-painted Star Wars ones that Bauer was doing for a while there. Um, they had like a Stormtrooper one that was really cool <sighs> that was going to go like really well with like an all white setup. So I thought about doing that, but I didn't want to dump like $700 into a new mask. Dude, that would have been uh, an unreal setup with the all white. And you know, now, now that you say that, I got all my all white pads. You got me Googling uh, the Stormtrooper mask and seeing if I can uh, find a way to get that set up for my men's league situation. <laughs> love it. Love it. Um, So I think we're going to go ahead and jump in here and bring you guys the James Sabolski interview. So um, you guys are really going to enjoy it. I had a wonderful conversation with James and uh, yeah, we're going to take you over there right now. All right. And we are here with a very special guest here on the two pad stack podcast. Um, happy to welcome James Sabolski. How's it going, James? Good ace. What's happening, man. Living the dream, dude. Living the dream. I, I have the <laughs> honor of saying, <laughs> well, I, uh, I have the honor of saying you're probably the first um, big guest uh, co-host to join the pod. So really appreciate you joining and looking forward to kind of diving in and have some discussions around hockey and, and kind of what you're up to these days and, and, you know, just the road that you kind of traveled to get where you're at now. Sure. Yeah, let's do it. Let's have some fun. Sweet, sweet. So I, um, I saw that you, obviously you're Canadian. You've been involved in the Canadian media. Um, saw that you grew up in Ottawa. Did you grow up a big hockey fan? Yeah, it's it's funny. Um, my my dad was a huge hockey fan. Uh, he was a Bruins fan, and he still is. I, I feel like he kind of, depending on which way the wind blows, which team's doing better, he's probably Senators or Bruins now. But, okay. But uh, he was a diehard Boston Bruins fan when I was a kid growing up. And, you know, growing up in Ottawa, there was no NHL team at that time. The Senators mm -hmm. didn't come on till the 90s. So... Okay. In that period, you know, it was kind of Montreal and Toronto were kind of the two teams. And in those days, especially when I was a kid, like the Montreal Canadiens won a ton of Stanley Cups, at least in those Their days. fans remind Bruins fans of that very well. Often. And, and that was the thing. It was funny because um, it was just, a, you know, Habs fans were kind of insufferable in those days because they were so because they always won. Right. So it was always, hey, you know, and so. I knew, yeah. I think with my dad being a diehard Bruins fan, I think I definitely wasn't, I wasn't a Habs fan. I knew that, but I, I liked the Bruins. I didn't love the Bruins. Mm -hmm. um, and then I had an aunt who in the late 70s, early 80s had moved to Edmonton. And for Christmas uh, one year, she had sent me a a scar uh, like a, a set of an Edmonton Oiler toque or okay hat. Yeah, yep. We call them a toque on this side of the border, and uh, you know, a scarf and and mitts that you know I all had. And it just happened to be the Oilers' first year in the NHL, and they just happened to have this young player named Gretzky. And I just said, you know, it, that it was like, okay, this is. I'm casting my uh, my you know my planting my flag in the sand here. I'm gonna be a, I'm gonna be an Oilers guy, and obviously it worked it. out for the next decade or at least the next eight years with uh, 
you know, they uh, pretty good ride there with that. A lot, that a lot of Stanley Cops and, uh, you know, the Gretzky journey. So I was, you know, right into that uh, along the way. But, you know, my dad was a Bruins fan. And obviously with Hockey Night in Canada living in the East. Um, and in those days, obviously, your broadcast, uh, you know, you're limited to what you can see. So a lot of Habs games, a lot of Leafs games, yep. probably more Leafs than, uh, you know, the Leafs were were terrible. Watched a lot of that. But. Oh, just when you got to the playoffs, like those Montreal-Boston series were just, you know, just incredible. And then go figure, you know, the years that I lived in Toronto, just as I was leaving, you know, the Montreal-Boston uh, rivalry really started to ramp up uh, again. It's funny, I, I, working out here in, in Vancouver for several years, especially in the early 2000s, um, a camera guy I worked with for years at this, uh, at this, at this, uh, old sports network called the score. Mm-hmm. The, um, the, he had this picture. He was a diehard Bobby Orr fan, loved Bobby Orr. And he had this picture framed in our office of Bobby Orr on his hands and knees on the ice, getting ready to, you know, punch Pat Quinn. Right. And I and I didn't yeah. understand the story at the time. And I was like, OK, what's the, what's the story here? Right. And and it was all, you know, it's kind of learned. It was, you know, Pat Quinn, nasty hit when he was playing for the Leafs, knocked out Bobby Orr. And in those days, you kind of had to fight your own battles. Right. Nowadays, you know, you kind of have the team policeman and the enforcer that's kind of been prominent for the better part of the last 40 years. But at that time, yeah. you, know, you were kind of left to your own, you know, well, go kick his ass. And Pat Quinn, it, I mean. He was a tough uh, guy anymore, but Pat was massive. Like Pat was huge, right? So Bobby tried to go against Goliath here, um, <laughs> but but the story. But it was funny because years later, uh, I had brought my dad with me for a few days while I was on assignment covering the World Junior Hockey Championship in the one year that uh, Pat Quinn was was coaching Team Canada. And this was two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and you know I was telling him, uh, you know. Um, it was, you know, Pat, this is my dad. Uh, you know, he's, he's a big Bruins fan. He's like, oh, let me guess. You probably did pissed off that I nearly killed Bobby Orr, right? <laughs> so <laughs> it was so all tug in cheek, but it is amazing how that story just uh, was so defining. But that image of Bobby Orr standing over and, uh, yeah, anyway, Bobby. It probably doesn't get the attention it deserves over the sailing through the air photo. You know, when you think of Bobby, you think of that photo. But yeah. there's been so many moments, and I can speak, you know, for the Boston community, and, and a lot of things haven't changed, but, like, back in the 70s, when Bobby was in his heyday, the 70 team that won the Cup, um, you know, the Bruins were the team of the town. You know, mm-hmm. we had the Red Sox. Patriots oh, yeah. weren't a thing yet. Yep. Um, we had the Celtics, who were also winning. But but Boston was a hockey town. Yeah, And the fact that Bobby was always willing to – go in the trenches and as you kind of spoke about you know he was willing to fight his own battles um you know boston still kind of is associated with being like a tech and and higher education city now there's a lot of blue collar workers that really really cherish that type of lunch pail attitude that he employed it's it's such a diverse it is such a diverse city that way where you know and i say this respectfully but you know you can you can go into you know, first time going into Boston, like seeing all the Ivy League schools that you just you hear about and you're just, oh, my God, you know, there's Harvard and, you know, and the list goes on and on and on. But then, you know, you're driving through, uh, is it, you know, into some of the some of the southern parts or uh, I can't remember <laughs> what, 
neighborhood. But then, but when you get, go into the garden and you hear some of the, you know, some of the union and some of the staff employees and the blue collar guys, you know, underneath the stands, kind of, yep. the, or the, you know, the technical, the trade, the, the, you know, the trades and the laborers, you know, and you, you start hearing that sort of, uh, hey, I told that fucker, and, you know, I don't know <laughs> any justice, but, you know, the whole wicked hat, uh, you know, smat. Oh, yeah. You know, but you hear, you're like, okay, oh, my God, like, how can this be like the cradle of intelligence, central intelligence <laughs> for the planet? And then you got to, you know, 10 minutes down the road the other way. <laughs> you got Jimmy from Southie over there. <laughs> Yeah, exactly you know what okay i'm glad i i'm, I'm not making uh no dude that. you're good you're, you're you're hitting the nail on the head you know okay. it, it really is kind of like there's little isolated islands of of yeah. higher thought and they don't really intermingle with the rest of the masses and the bruins have done a good job of trying to price out some of those folks and keeping them up in the upper bowl but honestly you know i have an 11 game plan i'm on the season ticket holder waiting list those are the people I enjoy going to games with the most because they have the most fun. Is when the we're up no, in- and I think every, you know, ultimately, and this is, unfortunately, this is part of the, you know, the, the rising cost of sport and, and with hockey that, you know, um, you know, Boston is a traditional hockey market, right? Boston is, is, and not to get all doom and gloom, but, you know, Boston is, is a big city. There's a lot of, re- there's a lot of wealth. There's a lot of affluence there. And, you know, when you're successful, obviously you can charge higher prices in a place mm-hmm. to be. And, you know, I think you've seen this in Toronto, uh, you know, for years where, you know, the average hockey fan cannot afford to go. Um, and, you know, the, the real fan, I think the perception has long been like the real fan is up top. And, you know, a lot of guys uh, and, and women for that matter, I mean, you know, the companies buy season tickets and their business expense. Right. And so when you have that luxury of, you know, turning turning a, a fandom, if you will, into um, into a work, a business expense. Right. Like that's yep. a nice luxury that some people um, have. Right. But unfortunately, you take the average fan that, you know, like what do you for your 11? If you don't mind me asking, what do you pay per seat uh, on average for for yours? So, um, yeah, per seat. So I'm up in like almost the very back row at TD Garden. Um, yep. Per seat, it's about 70 bucks. So yeah. two seats. So it's 140 bucks a game. Um, for a pair, yeah, for a pair of tickets, right? And, yep. and, you know, I mean, I would say this from a, as, a, as a Canadian. So do, I'm doing the conversion. I'm going, okay, that's that's $200 a night, right? Yep. So just to get in the building. Now you're yep. other night, like you're still going to, you're having a good time. The fan, real fans are up there. You're going to have a good time, but you get you your $17 Bud Lights, hot dog, you know, parking or whatever, all of it. Like, you know, it's, it, it's not nothing. Right. And this is where, you know, the trick, the slippery slope where yes, it's great to be in the building. And obviously the, you know, I'd be curious to see how the Bruins fare this year, because obviously um, there were, it was a historic season last year, but yeah. You know, is it is it one of those? Is it fool's gold? I mean, there's obviously a lot of talent, but you know, you've just taken two critical pieces of leadership and character off that team now, right? So yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely like found money. I mean, everyone, even the top end analysts, didn't have the Bruins performing even in the top three in the Atlantic. Everybody was saying this is the year where Detroit, where Ottawa, where Buffalo, all these teams take that next step forward and contend with you know Toronto and and Florida and Tampa Bay and the Bruins just said no we're just gonna win every friggin game um so a lot uh, everybody's saying the same sort of thing James everybody's like all right well 
you know, you lose all these players. You trade Taylor Hall for nothing. Nick Foligno moves on. You know, Bergeron and Krejci retire. Um, what's going to go on there for the Bruins? And yeah. and I still I, I understand the sentiment, but I, I think Don Sweeney has earned enough credit at this point now where we can't count them out until they give me a reason to count them out. Yeah. Um, they still have arguably two top 20 defensemen in the league with Charlie McAvoy and Hampus Lindholm. Yep. You have two arguably top 10 wingers in the league and David Pasternak and Brad Marchand. You have, once again, arguably the top goaltending tandem still intact with um, Linus Olmark and Jeremy Swayman. The biggest question mark going into this year are how are the Bruins, and let's be clear, the Bruins are in no way possibly can replace what Brad Marsh had, or um, what Patrice Bergeron and what David Krejci did. They're going to have to kind of do it by committee. And I, we've seen Charlie Coyle step up in a second line center position before. It didn't work. Pavel Zaka's never been a top six center yeah. whenever he's been to the Devils or the Bruins. So the big question mark's going to be down the middle. I still see them as like a, you know, a high 30 win team, maybe uh, mid 40s. I don't think that the, they might end up around 100 points, um, but that's probably where they're going to cap out unless Don Sweeney goes and pulls a rabbit out of his hat with a center. And I mean, I think a lot of people like Swayman. Uh, and I think there's still, I think there's still a lot of trending upwards for Jeremy Swayman. But I'll tell you what, like, how does Olmark um, carry into this year? Right. I mean, does that, do those, do, do those follies and does that adventure from that Florida series, you know, does that mentally roll over, right? Does that does that carry over? I mean, I, I would say this. The year that he just had, like, that's not sustainable, right? Like, no. you know, and, and so I, I'm going to guess we'll see something to meet in the middle of what he just had and what he has been prior to that year. Right. Yeah, I mean, regression back to the mean is going to be expected. Yeah. Um, I think it was definitely an outlier. But the thing that I also noticed is that, you know, he had a great tandem in which it didn't ever require him to have, you know, four, five, six games in a row to yeah. really have that that um, wear and tear on him. Um, and then for us to suddenly say, OK, now the playoffs are here. You're yeah. going to play six, seven, eight, nine games in a row. And you know, expecting something different from what he had seen all season, I think was kind of insanity a little bit. I like, the- yeah, I liked the gamble. Um, those deadline moves I really liked, but, but now I'm kind of like, man, you, you, you kind of put all your chips in here and, you know, love the Orlov pickup, but now you don't have Orlov in that yep. mix more. You know, a lot, you know, Hathaway was a great fit. Um, and then Tyler Bertuzzi, man, like Tyler Bertuzzi screamed Boston Bruin and he did. You know, and now he's in and now he's in Toronto. And so you're kind of looking at going, man, like there's a lot of pieces. Like Taylor Hall to me felt pretty forgettable as a player with the Boston Bruins, right? You know, and the fact that they were able to kind of move on from him, um, you know, I think it it is what it is, but you know, Taylor Hall kind of he was a forgettable piece, I think in his time in Boston. Um, yeah. But, I mean, he was a luxury product, right? When you can just stash Taylor Hall on the third line, like, yeah, I mean, you, you, 6 million for a guy that's on the third line, you know, it's great to have Taylor Hall in your lineup. He creates matchup nightmares, but you know, 
if that's what you got to give up in order to clear the cap to make a, a, a salary cap situation work, you yeah. got to do it. And I, and I think, you know, all things in consideration here with the amount of cap space the bees had going into this season. Um, I think the management team did a good job, you know, bringing back fan favorite Lucic, staple him on the fourth line, um, you know, going out and getting Morgan geeky for the third line center spot. Um, he's 24 years old, had a decent season, with the Kraken geeky also was one of the leaders in five on five scoring per minute. So he knows how to have a scoring touch in the opportunities that he's given. Um, he had come out and said via some sort of media outlet person that the reason why he chose Boston is because the Bruins were going to give him a more prominent role than maybe he was offered elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And, and now it's coming out that, you know, David Krejci and Patrice Bergeron haven't been sitting and waiting to make their decisions. The Bruins have known at the end of the season that they were done. So all of these moves this offseason have been premeditated with that fact in mind. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I do wonder. I mean, I, I just don't see, uh, you know, I look at I look at the East and, um, you know, I, I was quick to write off the Bruins last year at this time, kind of with everybody wondering, you know, Marchand looked like he was going to miss most of the year. McAvoy. Obviously McAvoy. And and then on top of that, you know, whether or not Bergeron was going to come back and, mm-hmm. and then ding, ding, ding. <laughs> and as you said, they just decided to go and win every, uh, every game. The stars aligned. Yeah. And everything went right. I do like, I'll tell you what, from a nostalgia act, I do like Lucic going back to Boston. And I think, you know, uh, it's obviously a low risk contract. I think. Yeah. I think he still does provide some, uh, you know, some physical insurance and, you know, obviously he doesn't have to be the guy, but yeah, I think think it's all house money. If he can give you, you know, five to 10 goals. And I, I I think him being in Boston, man, I think that'll, he'll be energized um, to go out there and, and, and give it a go. So I, I I like, I like, I like that just from the sheer nostalgia. Yeah, exactly. I'm assuming that he's dropping the gloves opening night with Ryan Reeves in Toronto when they play. Oh, he's got to. He's got to. It's going to be uh, an absolute ball. Two guys in their mid 30s. Like, that is a like that a couple of old war horses who've got some miles, but dying breed. Still, two of them. No, you know, those, those are still two of the most feared players in the league, right? I mean, I, you know, you, you just like, know that the Jacobs family are going to make back their $1 million with Milan Lucic Bruin Centennial jerseys in the first friggin' day when they go on sale. <laughs> They're just, those blue collar guys are going to line up to get, I, I, oh. I confess I'm going to be in the line to buy him. I'm going to get one. So get a Luch jersey. Nice. Nice. Oh, yeah. It's funny. Oh, his, yeah. father, his father-in-law lives a couple blocks down the road. So I, I often see Milan and, this time of the year he's usually here with his wife and the kids uh that are visiting and then staying there so uh yeah funny. haven't been fortunate enough to meet luch i've met a bunch of bruins like marshy and uh bergeron obviously and a bunch of them but uh i, I i've heard nothing but good stories about Lucic. yeah no i i think i think well liked in the room i think for the most part um you know i think when you look at what happened in calgary how it kind of played out. I mean, obviously I think Luch was probably a, a Sutter guy, but at the same time, mm-hmm. he wound up running, you know, he wound up having to sit for a bit too. And, um, but I think for the most part, I mean, Milan has been, a, you know, I, I mean, obviously Milan's shown that you can win with him. Right. I mean, he was, uh, he, he brought key leadership to a young group at the world hockey championship and they, they win gold here just this past spring. And, 
Um, but, you know, Stanley Cup winner, uh, winning gold at international events over the years, uh, another Stanley Cup finals appearance in 2013. Like, um, you know, there, there's a guy who, who certainly was used to a winning culture, Memorial Cup championship in junior hockey. I mean, with the Giants. Yeah, with the Giants uh, here in Vancouver. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, he's had a great. Uh, yeah, like I said, I, I like I like that pickup for the I like that pickup for the bees. I I, I do think that they're going to be in tough. Um, you know, I think it'll be it'll be a battle. Facing a wild card. Um, you know, when I when I think look, I think Tampa's still up there in that mix. I think Tampa, and I think Tampa getting a, a an extended summer to to heal up and to rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a team that's played a lot of hockey in the last few years. I think, you know, I think they're still. I mean that that team still has a ton of talent for days, right? Kucherov, Stamkos, Point, Vasilevsky, Hedman, um, you know, Sergachev, uh, Sergachev. I think Tanner Janot. I think uh, him being healthy now too. I, I just think that there's, you know, they've obviously taken some big hits in the last few years, but I think that there's still a lot of depth with that, or, or still a lot of that those star players, and it's not like they're just two or three players, right? Like there's you know, they go six or seven deep in terms of those core guys. And um, I think they're still at an age where they're still in a window to contend. So um, I I still like them. And, you know, um, I think the Leafs obviously statistically will be fine uh, and pick up a lot of points and they'll be, they'll be a high seed. Um, You know, I I do think Ottawa's going to take a step this year. I think they, you know, I don't love Corpusalo, but I do think that they've, They've checked a lot of boxes in terms of what they have now with a solid back end, you know, the, the rise of Sanderson, you know, you've got Shabbat who probably didn't have his best season last year, but you know, he's, he's a stud, um, you know, he's a top pairing defenseman, you know, Chikrin, if he stays healthy, uh, you know, you've got, now you've got three top line defensemen there and, and Sanderson might already be the best of those three, which is pretty remarkable for such a young player. And, and then up front, I mean, just the firepower for days. And I think, you know, Vladimir Tarasenko was kind of a, a need and want sort of, you know, asset that they added. Like, did you need him? No, but do you want him? Yeah. And, you know, it's, you know, you lose, you know, you, you move on from Debrinket, who obviously didn't want to be here or be in Ottawa. Um, but at the same time, you, you look at it in the sense that uh, you're bringing in a guy who's won a Stanley Cup. You know, now you've got some veteran leadership now that you've, that you've kind of solidified now along the way with Claude Giroux. Now you got Tarasenko. You got some warriors in there, right? In that room and, you know, Brady Kachuk. So I, I think the Sens are going to take a step this year. Um, and then when you look at the Metropolitan, I mean, Carolina, uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean that Penguins move with Carlson. I mean, if they can stay healthy, look out, right? Uh, I, I do think that they're going to be a lot of fun to watch this year. And um you know, I think the Rangers are probably still in that mix. The Devils, I think, are going to take another step this year if they can get. If they, I, fuck I think the Devils are going to look to make a statement this year for sure. Yeah, I, I do too. I, I think there's, um, yeah, I, I just think that there's there's a lot of, um, yeah, I, I just like look, the East is going to be really competitive, and I mean, Flo- like, what was Florida, right? I mean, Florida went right to the Stanley Cup final now. Can was that fool's gold or is this going to be sustainable now? Right. And I think they finally came together as a team, but they got the sandpaper. They obviously showed they can get some goaltending and Matthew Kachuk is a bona fide superstar now in this league. So 
Um, yeah, I, I think when you look at a lot of the key hits that the Bruins, you know, when you look at the subtractions, um, I just don't know. I mean, look, I think they're still going to be 30 plus wins, but I, I do question whether or not, like, can they still be a playoff team? And, and it's, which is kind of crazy to think, you know, despite the historic wins, but that's a lot of big key losses that they are taking out of their lineup now. Right. And, you know, never mind Taylor Hall, but Bergeron. Yeah. Gucci. Yeah, you take out Orlov, like you know, those are those are front line players that are that are big pieces for this team. You're gonna have to rely on next, like you know, you've lost, you know, you've lost about a third of that roster that was that that fell in round one. Yeah, you got it. You're gonna have to rely on you know building from the net out. Defense wins championships. You know, the defense for the most part is untouched, other than Orlov leaving. But we didn't have Orlov for about eighty percent of the season anyway. He was kind of like you know, just extra, you know, value. Yeah, I, yeah. And I heard, I heard Nick Foligno, he had an interview with some members of the Chicago media that were asking him, you know, Nick, what went wrong with the season this year? Like you guys were just, just killing it. And then all of a sudden you guys run into the Florida Panthers and the wheels fall off. Yeah. And he was saying that, you know, I can't really blame management. Um, I'm paraphrasing here, yeah. but he, he was saying that it was almost too perfect of a team where, everyone was like okay well we already knew where we slotted in before now we have hathaway now we have bertuzzi now we have orlov like what is our role actually now what do, what am i supposed to do now how do we well, fit into the equation yeah what made me ner- what, the one thing that made me nervous about what made me nervous about the Bruins going into the playoffs. And I don't think anybody really wanted to talk about it. I feel like, you know, you didn't really want to say it out loud, but the team hadn't been tested all year. Right. And when you haven't gone through adversity and when did they hit adversity? Like at the end of the year, right. All of a sudden it was like the first time it's like kind of finding out what you're, what you're made of and what you're all about. And I think that was, um, yeah, I, I think that that's a tricky a tricky situation for for a team. Now, does that harden them going forward? Maybe, but you look at Tampa, for example, right? Like Tampa went through, you know, with with what went down, um, you know, when they got swept by the Jackets after, you know, their sort of historic run. And then they get swept in round one. And it was just like, what a joke. But they came back the next year. They won. They won back to back Stanley Cups, right? Um, I don't think this team has that in them, but uh, especially given all the key losses. But I will say this: like I do think, I am fascinated to see what McAvoy does. I think what Pasta does because it's their team now, right? Yep. And. You know, it was almost like, you know, when Chara finally was gone, right? I, I think there, there's some big presence. There's there's a big presence there with Bergeron. And, um, you know, look, I mean, you'd rather have him on the team than not. But let's let's see what let's see what this generation now of Bruins can do. I mean, Marchand's still there, but Marchand is more of a goofball than Berger, Bergeron ever was, right? Like. <laughs> You know, so let's let's see where what McAvoy and Pasta can do because they're certainly paid to be those guys, right? So I think there's going to be the increased yep. expectations to say, okay, like look, guys, you know, we had to we allotted a lot of this money, right? 
almost a almost a fifth of or almost a, a quarter of our salary cap is allotted to two players, right? Now you can justify that when it's McDavid and Drysital. You know, Pasta's a stud; he's an absolute star, and and so is McAvoy. But they're going to have to back it up this year, right? I, I think, and with those losses, like you know, it's look, you guys are going to have to, you guys are going to have to pick up the load for these guys because this is what it's at. The mantle of responsibility has officially been handed over, and and I think that they've been fortunate enough to, to have been on the team with Patrice, been on the team with Zdeno Chara. Yep. They understand what the culture is, and and in in Patrice Bergeron's you know big emotional goodbye video that they posted on the Bruins' official social media, you had Charlie McAvoy saying, "Hey, I'm going to do everything I can." to keep what you built here going, you know, Mm -hmm. I, this is, this is going to be okay. We're going to take care of it and we love you and all that kind of stuff. So Mm -hmm. um, I think you're, you're hundred percent right. It's now pasta and McAvoy time. And I think Lindholm too is probably in that core three because of his long-term extension. Mm -hmm. Um, He had a lot of time in Anaheim in that leadership mentor role. So I think he'll probably maybe wear an A at some point, but Mm -hmm. it'll be intriguing to see where the captaincy thing goes. Um, we're starting to run a little lower on time for you. So wanted to touch on some of the, uh, um, EA sports stuff. Uh, if you don't mind, um, yep. exciting news today, they, they revealed the, uh, cover athlete for NHL 24. Um, that is the UMass product for those of you listening at home, Kale McCarr, uh, Stanley cup champion, uh, Norris trophy winner. Um, pretty exciting stuff. Um, I assume you're still involved for 24 James. Are you allowed to share? Uh, I think so. I think so. I hope so. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be stuck with me for, uh, for another year. So, uh, I think all the details coming out here in the next, uh, I think in the next few days. So yeah, it's on the but, 16th, they'll be doing yeah. the unveil. That's pretty, pretty exciting. Uh, but yeah, no, it's been, it's been such an honor as somebody who, you know, played the game, you know, as a teenager, as a, as, as you know, as a kid, you know, NHL 94, NHL 95, yep. you know, the different consoles over the years, you know, being an old Sega Genesis guy to really date myself. And, Sega. And, yeah. And, and, man, I man, the Genesis was great. Uh, well, at least for sports games in those days. And, you know, and then, and then maturing to a PlayStation one and then the PS two. And then I went through an Xbox phase and, you know, and over the years, and I, I actually, you know, it's funny. Like I remember, I had NHL '98 on my uh, on a PC version, which I know a lot of people have been begging and pleading for EA to get the uh, the PC version again. Um, but I, yeah, I just over the years playing. Um, you know, you kind of come in and out over the years, but when the opportunity presented itself, uh, you know, five years ago, I had a chance to audition, and it was. Uh, you know, the process went on for probably about three months and, oh man, you know, and, and, you know, to get, to get that call, you know, that day after, you know, months, uh, going in for multiple auditions, but to get that call, um, man, it was such a, a dream come true and, and such a thrill as somebody who had, you know, as I mentioned, playing those games over the years and to have that opportunity and to be given the responsibility to, to be the soundtrack in, in a lot of ways 
of a video game franchise that I've held near and dear to my heart. I've just tried to treat it with the utmost respect and have some fun with it as well. And, and the approach I try to take is that it's the biggest game of the year. Um, every time that someone's ready to play. So I, I try to bring that intensity and that energy for a broadcast for, you know, the gamer that's getting ready to, to drop the puck. And because in that moment, that's the biggest game in the world for you, right? You know, there's nothing more important because you're not paying attention to dinner. You're not paying attention to, you know, your, your better half or your kids, unless you're playing with your kids, uh, you know, you are, you know, you are focused on the task at hand of winning that game. And so I try to treat it, you know, like it is a game seven playoff situation. And, uh, yeah, I, I hope uh, I hope a few gamers have at least enjoyed it uh, along the way. Well, I can confirm that. You, so we play maybe once or twice or three times a week. Um, yeah, me and the partnership, yeah. we 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 uh, we stream it online. So we have our own club that we have. Um, so we definitely uh, all thoroughly enjoy it. Nice. Um, tell, them, tell the crew I said hello. I definitely will. Yeah, they'll all tune in and listen for sure. Um, what do I got to do to get you to add my last name to the game? You know, what's funny. This has come up a few times in the last few days. And I can tell you this, uh, when I first started, um, you know, with the video game franchise, I had actually, because my last name's Sabalski. I mean, my name wasn't going into any games unless I was making it <laughs> to the pros. Right. And, uh, you know, to be able to incorporate my name in the game and, and then a few of my friends uh, over the years who had unconventional last names as well. And, you know, I guess it's my little tip of the cap or my little give back to the to the gaming community that, um, you know, I, I put it out there on social a couple times over the years to say, hey, if you if you've got a if you've got a last name that's not in the game, uh, you know, let me know and and maybe we can, uh, you know, maybe we can help help this out, right? So, um, and what what can we do here and uh so do me do me a favor remind me send me a note in october and i got a few people and i and i would say send me a note in october and then once the chaos is kind of settled um for the launch uh i can assemble i'll start i think the producers start assembling a list of names to add to patch into the game over the course of the season so uh yeah sweet Send awesome. it, uh, the phonetic pronunciation and um, yeah, we'll see what we can do. No promises, but yeah, we've certainly added, I think we've got close to 5,000 names in the game now. So every yeah. time I look and that list is getting longer and I think it's fantastic. And yeah, yeah, I know well, that it's and, probably a challenge. How, how many things do you have? Like how long have you had to record for that? that gig like i can only uh, imagine you're well, in the studio for a lot of hours yeah no i think i i, I do I, I think i'm contracted to do somewhere between 250 to 300 hours annually over the course of the year um and you know we typically do about four and a half hours sessions with a with a, a little lunch break uh, at some point in the middle and um yeah you try to maintain baseline of energy and try to stay engaged i think one thing that we've probably lost a bit of um, that that dynamic of being in studio together. Uh, I think since COVID, everybody has worked remotely, so I think it it, it does present challenges that um, you know our commutes are all better now. But at the same time, <laughs> I, I do think that there is something to be said about 
and I'm sure a lot of people have probably found this, you know, where, you know, working from home, there was kind of a, man, this is great. I love it. This is convenient. And I don't have to deal with all this. Uh, but I think, I think a lot of people are starting to see the, the, the benefits of the hybrid, you know, maybe a few days in the office and a few days at home. And um, yeah, with my druthers and partly because EA has just an amazing lunch cafeteria. So maybe, I miss, <laughs> maybe I miss the free lunches more than anything, but I do think that there's an energy and a, a you know, a, a camaraderie that, that, that brings the team together more when you're, when you're together. I think you, you mentioned, you know, the video approach and, the personal connection i think there is something to that but i just think that that being in the same physical space together allows for more collaboration um from time to time but you know at the same time like i think we've still been able to maximize the uh the content and the, pro the production and it's uh, incumbent on us as the talent to try to um you know push through that and and make it happen so yeah that's uh so i do about 250 to 300 hours and um annually and just uh, keep feeding the beast as they say <laughs> i love it well james i really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us here today and joining us on the two pad stack podcast um if you didn't already follow him please follow him on socials um follow his podcast he's a co-host of clearing the crease podcast um james do you mind sharing your socials real quick yeah, you can find me at James Sabalski on what is it X or Twitter? I don't know, man. It's still Twitter to me, but uh, it's always going to be Twitter. Uh, to me. I think I created an account on uh, Threads, but I haven't really used it. Um, I think you can find me at James Sabalski or James underscore Sabalski on Instagram, um, and yeah, I think I have a Facebook account too. Uh, if you can spell the last name, you should be able to track me down. So. Yeah. Ace, thanks for having me on, man. Nice to talk some Boston hockey. I'll, I'll have to send this link to my dad, given that uh, he's such a, you know, such an old school Bruins fan. So it's like, actually I love it. Something he might actually like for a change. Yeah. Shout out to Mr. Sabolski. Uh, there you go. Jim will appreciate that. <laughs> All right, James. Thanks again. I appreciate it. And uh, until next time. All right. Thanks, Ace. Take care, man. Bye-bye. Cheers. And we're back with Burge and myself, and that was a fantastic interview with James Sobolski. I can't thank James enough for his time and, you know, being willing to join a, a podcast still in its infancy and, and tell some stories about, you know, his expertise and his experience. And, um, yeah, just immensely thankful for him. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed it as much as I did having that conversation with him. Um. Bursch, any closing thoughts for the pod this week? Just, uh, you know, remember David Krejci for, you know, what he did here in the Bruins uniform. Appreciate everything you saw because everything, you know, going forward, we may not see a one-two punch like we saw in the last decade and a half for a while. So it's kind of one of those things you look back on and appreciate what you had. And, uh, you know, best wishes to David in his, uh, in his retirement. That's That's kind of a big thing for me. Um, another thing is, you know, get your kids into hockey early and don't push them to do it. Let them do it themselves, but just introduce it, plant the seed. Well said, well said. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for tuning into episode four of the two pad stack podcast. Um, uh, just so you're aware, uh, we are going to try to start streaming some EASHL on NHL 23 and then eventually NHL 24 on a weekly basis on Twitch. So, um, Keep an eye out for that. Well, there'll be more information about those streams on a weekly basis going out via the Twitter account. 
at two pad stack podcasts or two pad stack pod on Twitter X, whatever the fuck you want to call that platform these days, <laughs> Twitter. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, we'll see you on the other side. Peace out.